0: this podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets it is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice the views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of investec asset management the value of investments can fall as well as rise, and losses may be made. Michael Power is in the middle of an odyssey, a world odyssey, selfishly collecting data and seeing clients on behalf of Investec Asset Management. He's strategist at that institution, normally based in Cape Town. He's speaking to us today from Abu Dhabi, the biggest of the Emirates, the United Arab Emirates, and he's already been through Latin America and been to a few other Middle Eastern countries. Michael, how was Latin America, first of all?
1: Coming out of the worst patch, obviously there was a big sell-off and Brazil to some extent always infects what happens at the rest of uh, Latin America, but they're on a rebound at the moment. And I was in Colombia and Peru, Peru probably even more so than Colombia, because Colombia is still quite exposed to carbon, uh, both in coal and oil, but yeah. Peru is more geared to things like nickel and copper.
0: Colombia has been in the news recently because of its proximity to Venezuela. Has there been any negative knock-on effects because of the appalling crisis in Venezuela?
1: Yeah, Arguably, potentially some positive. I mean, all sorts of people now have to come to Colombia to do all their shopping. It's uh, the spillover. Yes, I'm sure there's a negativity to it, but um, uh, nothing too material. I just think that they're very worried, especially when uh, the president of the United States talks about the possibility of a military option regarding Venezuela.
0: Yes, indeed. In fact, I saw uh, a politician being interviewed by Richard Quest on CNN yesterday, and he said the the health of the United States of America is so important for the whole region. What is their view of Mr. Trump, the people you've spoken to in both Peru and Colombia?
1: Not repeatable in polite company, let alone an interview. You know, he dismissed everybody who lives south of the Rio Grande as as bad hombres. So you can imagine that they are smiling through gritted teeth whenever they have to uh, deal with America on an official basis at the moment and, and quietly dissing it when they're not.
0: Are these places investment destinations, viable investment destinations for people that want to diversify their portfolio geographically and have the means to do so?
1: I think if you've got the risk profile that allows you to do that, yes. Um, I think it's obviously a more cyclical play, so one has to time that, and uh, it's not necessarily a structural allocation like it would be, I think, to Asia, but absolutely.
0: And not uh, specifically linked to any commodity. I mean, commodities have been on the rise again after a dip. What is the the main influence?
1: Well, I would argue now that commodities are divided, and even this is not... Clear, but between the energy complex, which is struggling at the moment, and uh, the metals complex, which has done rather well, and specifically within the metals complex, anything that's uh, potentially exposed to the re- renewable energy revolution. So that would be most obviously copper and nickel, but uh, if you happen to have some lithium and some cobalt, fantastic.
0: And outside of that, a major influence, obviously, we've mentioned the United States of America. Is it simply if the world economy does well, then Latin America tags along?
1: Yes, but I would actually argue now that at the margin, and partly because it's a preference being expressed, and they're moving to reinforce that preference, they're now starting to look at more at Asia and, and less at the United States, though um, they're not about to wean themselves off uh, demand out of America in the short to medium term. But nevertheless, at the margin, they regard Asia as more important.
0: Let's move now to the Middle East. You're in Abu Dhabi. Where have you been already?
1: Kuwait and Bahrain, and then also Dubai within the UAE. And here there's a I think that uh, they've been through a a roughish roughish patch. Obviously, matters relating to the, the status of Qatar within the middle of all of them. Uh, Continued to weigh on the region. But I, I felt that, uh, generally speaking, um, they're starting to see their way out, though perhaps it's not going to be a, an overly strong rebound.
0: Okay. Again, the major influence is there, the oil price. The oil price is now sitting at around about $51.50 for West Texas Intermediates. is around about $56 a barrel for Brent crude. I know that these economies are trying to diversify, led by places like Saudi Arabia. Are they doing so efficiently?
1: It's going to take time. Yes, they are trying at the margin, and I would argue that, you know, Dubai, you've seen what they can do if they, if they really try to some extent Bahrain as well, which has long not been uh, a particularly oil-rich economy, but it takes a lot to, to shift them. Uh, the smaller Emirates, I suppose, are able to do this a little bit more easily. A, they're often richer, they're not Bahrain, but B, by being small, they can actually uh, add on new ideas. Saudi Arabia is large, large in terms of population. Uh, 70% of the people of Saudi Arabia, either directly or indirectly, depend on government for their income. And oil is overwhelmingly the largest export. So it's going to take a long time for Saudi Arabia to diversify. But the the recent moves by the crown prince have uh, indicated that there is a sense of we've got to do something to move beyond oil and there are some uh, tentative signs that um, both socially, economically, and I suppose even politically, they're starting to do that.
0: Talking about politics, how big an influence is the situation in Iran, and how big an influence could it be should Mr Trump do what he's threatening to do, and that's to not renew the 90-day certification of the Iran nuclear deal?
1: It's difficult to say, but Iran is always at this side of the Gulf, in large part uh, a a dirty word. Um, Not always, but to be perfectly honest, most people uh, privately would admit that they do appear to have been behaving in regard to the treaty that uh, Donald Trump is about to, uh, to tear up. And uh, yeah, I saw even Ehud Barak, the former prime minister of Israel yesterday, said that uh, the United States should should stay in the treaty. Yes. So, you know, it's always used as a whipping boy. I think they pretty much get along without it. Um, and, and a couple of countries at the margin, like Qatar, like Oman, uh, do have uh, cordial if not close relations uh, with with iran but it is the other side of the gulf and, and uh, there is a as it were a gulf between them
0: the emirates themselves you've been to dubai you're in abu dhabi at the moment which is the richest of the emirates dubai first of all is it still as gaudy and as brash and as confident that it has been in the past with a couple of dips here and there
1: I would say Gordian brash, yes, but there's just a, a patina of, of, of settling down and a little bit of style and sophistication beginning to take the edge off that brashness, which is a good thing. It's becoming an easier place to, to visit now. There are some wonderful places to go. Um, the people themselves are probably learning to be a little less flash, um, but uh, it would be hard to tell them not to be flash at all, yes. but one senses that, that that Dubai is settling down. There are some issues with regarding the legal independence of the DIFC, the, the sort of the, the financial center at the heart of Dubai, and there have been some uh, questions as to what degree of autonomy they do have from the UAE itself. I think some people have actually been abusing their status within it, so it's not as if it's all one-sided, this argument but no dubai feels a little bit more settled a little bit more sensible um and uh, it continues to make uh, steady progress i think it's settling down and uh, i think it's a, it's a it's a dream that's now becoming a reality
0: is it an investment destination the region as a whole and the emirates specifically
1: yes i think so um, selectively again perhaps less Cyclical than the likes of Latin America, but yes, I think that's probably right. I I think there's obviously geopolitical risk, and uh, events like what's happening in Qatar show this. I mean, the the Qatari stock market is down quite strongly since um, uh, this situation broke out, but generally speaking, I think people are are quite level headed, and uh, yes, I do think it is a good place to, to to look for investment opportunities.
0: You're tracking back once you leave the Emirates. You're going to a place called Washington, the seat of power of the United States of America and headed up by one Donald J. Trump. Washington's a beautiful city, but it's sort of been tarnished a little bit in the last few months, has it not?
1: Indeed, and it's one of the reasons I want to go and find out whether winter is indeed coming. There is a sense at the moment, and uh, every day gives you further evidence of that, that, that Donald Trump is beginning to wobble. A Vanity Fair article last night mm. uh, gave an expose on, on what's actually happening inside the White House, and we're seeing a, a sort of a, a dribble turning into a, a small torrent of executive orders and actions, like leaving UNESCO, which caught everyone by surprise yesterday. Yeah. Um, the, the Iran thing uh, came up quite quickly, although it was always going to have to be certified or otherwise. But he did certify it the first time round. But it looks as if he's not going to certify it this time round. Um, if developments continue um, on the uh, on the sort of uh, the RussiaGate side, slowly but surely, and we'll have to see what Mueller comes up with. But the sense is that he has come up with something, and he's moving forward very, very carefully to make sure that he doesn't give uh, a, a Donald Trump the grounds to sack him, as, as of course Richard Nixon did his special counsel. And there's also the issue of uh, health care, which we saw some sort of ripping up of part of Obamacare last night, the taxes, which I don't think anyone thinks anything of any great substance is going to come through, especially since he's out there um, cursing some of the Republican senators like Corker at the moment and, and losing the vital swing votes that he desperately needs in order to get something through on the on the tax cut side. Now, the infrastructure story seems to have pretty much gone away, although there may be you know the odd build, bridge built here and there. But of any great consequence. So it looks like Donald Trump will will uh, finish his first year in office having succeeded in doing diddly squat. And uh, I'm afraid there's a sense that uh, his mental state is starting uh, to show signs of fraying.
0: Yes, indeed. The Vanity Fair article does say that he is unravelling, and goodness me, it's happening at quite a pace as well, but we don't want to talk about that. What, I just want to go back to the UNESCO story. I saw it flashing across Twitter as breaking news last night. And if you have a look at what UNESCO stands for, Its declared purpose, according to Wikipedia, is to contribute to peace and security by promoting international collaboration through educational, scientific, and cultural reforms in order to increase universal respect for justice, the rule of law, and human rights, along with fundamental freedom proclaimed in the United Nations Charter. And they've left it. It's astonishing. Yes,
1: I know. But then again, all of those things would probably be described by the diehard Trump supporter as wishy-washy liberal ideals that, that we have in, uh, want to have no part of. And this sort of almost retreating into itself phenomenon that you see happening in the United States, leaving uh, various other organizations, even the possibility now that they're going to tear up NAFTA, having torn up the PTT, the Pacific Trade Treaty. They are really going back into into their sort of um, isolationist view of the world. Uh, interestingly and quietly, the Chinese are, of course, filling the vacuum. So it is, it is astonishing to watch, and it is profoundly sad to watch. And uh, you look at the eyes of some of the more sensible members of the outer circle of of, of Trump, and you can quite clearly see that they, they just um, don't know what to do and don't know how to stop it.
0: Playing into the hands of the Chinese. And if you have a look at the front page of The Economist print version this week, the most powerful man in the world, and it's certainly not Donald Trump. We'll talk about that and the rise of G next time when you maybe report back on your Washington visit. Michael Power, thank you very much for your time. Michael Power is a strategist at Investec Asset Management in Cape Town, speaking to us from Abu Dhabi. In South Africa, Investec Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.